Good morning, afternoon, evening, or whatever the hell time it is where you are. Great to have you listening in on the Dogger and Muddy Music Show. Seven years ago, we were invited to a jam session slash sing-along. That is where I first saw and met our guest today, Johnny Hooper. For three hours, he and a few slide-in and slide-out musicians performed one song after another. Man, what a treat. Several good artists, but Johnny stood out. He'd play the support role, he'd play the equal role, or he would step to the front musically and blow you away. He never visually demanded the front, but everything worked that evening because Johnny fully understood what role to take in support of each song. In his 8-5 to five plus music jingle job, he has the same excellent skill set. The ability to listen, observe, assess, advise, create, listen again and again, tune, finish, and deliver. Being a true professional in the industry is a major reason why he was inducted into the Texas Radio Hall of Fame class of 2016. Let's talk with Johnny and explore the world of jingles, gigging, and more. Amy, strike up the band. This is the Dogger and Muddy Music Show. Listen up. It's all about the music. Let's check in on the artists, songs, and people behind the scenes. Are you listening? Today, Muddy Waters, our chocolate lab, and my co-host on the damn show is handing over the mic to our good friend Johnny Hooper. I'm actually sitting in Johnny's studio, which is really cool. Muddy's over here in the corner watching every word that we both say. Tons of really neat equipment, speakers, and uh, some awesome guitars. Hey, over the last several years, I've gotten to know Johnny in several capacities. Uh, Number one, as a super song leader in in sing-along jam sessions. I've been invited to several of his. Uh, He's also been joined by Larry Dykstra, who you remember from show number nine. But Johnny gets everybody singing or playing or having a great time. Number two, we're going to spend a lot of time on this today as Mr. Jingle. (laughs) That's his day job. I mean, at Hooper Music Productions, he develops jingles for different production companies. It's just fascinating. He's also a leader of an excellent cover band, Mr. Inez. They truly cover a diverse range of excellent music. Number four, as a lead guitarist for Randy Brooks and his different capacities in his band or as a stand-up individual. You'll know Randy as the gentleman who wrote... Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. He's also written several other songs. And number five, as a good friend. So, Johnny, welcome to the Dogger and Muddy Music Show. Let's start with with your Mr. Jingle side of the house. What led you to Hooper Music Productions? Well, thanks for having me, Doug. So, I graduated from uh, North Texas State University. At that time, right? Yeah, back then. I graduated in 76. Before that, I was doing uh, some studio work, just playing guitar, uh, oh, probably around 73. I was in a group called Spanky back then. I was getting a little bit of studio work with some of the people from the production company at the time that did a lot of jingles and studio work was called Pam's. So it had just broken up, and some of the writers were just going out on their own. And so I got in with a guy named Jody Lyons and, and did some of my, my first jingle work. When you went to North Texas originally, was that your goal going in to get into jingle work? Or did you want to make become a big rock star? Well, I, or, I wanted to write songs and play songs, and, and I didn't really want to be a, a star. I just wanted to be in a, a, a big band, a successful band. 
traveling or whatever, do a lot of recording. And I was uh, trying to get in as a guitarist. I made demo tapes. We had uh, Spanky, like I said, we had, we were all, four of us were going to North Texas. Very interesting band, sort of a fusion vocal band as well. It had a good crowd following us and getting known around town as, as the musician's band. We were all sort of getting in the studio business and, and the jingle thing came along where it's really an art form all itself. It's Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it's totally different than, than songs. Even the recording, the way they record it is different. It was all new to me. I was taking tapes around to all the production companies and then took my tape to this new place called TM Productions. The other, the other production company I, I took tapes to is Jam Productions and later on Thompson Creative. All these production companies I worked for later on for a long, long time. But at TM, I went in as a guitarist. They auditioned me. I just played a little bit to some tracks that they, that they had. And then I was auditioned by a guy named Ken Justice and Bob Piper. At the end of my guitar audition, uh, he, he said, hey, um, you sound really good, and uh, by the way, do you sing at all? I said, yeah, I do some background singing and some, a little solo work. He said, would you mind auditioning for that? Yeah, why not? They set up a mic, and I sang to some of the tracks that they had. What I didn't know, two of the, the guys were not getting along, and, and one of them going to move on, and they, they didn't know which one yet, but one of them moved on, and there was a spot going to be opening. Timing can be everything. Yeah, it was all timing. And what happened was I sang tenor, and he was the tenor spot. So he left, and I got in that way. Wow. So right out of school. Yeah, right out of school, I got a gig with them. That turned into 32-year gig, and it was like working 4 to 8 to 12 hours a day, five days a week, singing. Wow. So the way it used to be is if you did a nine-to-one at one studio, then if you were in, you'd go to another studio and work two to six. And then at Christmas time, or, or the heavy... Uh, I'll bet. Yeah, yeah. We, everybody was doing Christmas jingles, and you would go nine-to-one, two-to-six, seven-to-eleven. Oh, all, my God. The whole month of December. And it was just great. But exhausting. Yeah, it was. Yeah, by January, it was. we were ready to... But you got to sing... To not destroy your voice, you just have to sing appropriately. And if, I mean, if you're doing that 12 hours a day for 30 days, that's taxing your voice, isn't it? It's uh, It was taxing. You you just sort of take care of yourself. It wasn't every year, but I, I remember a few years when we were going full throttle. Everybody was just working 12 hours a day right before Christmas, you know. So it was very nice. It was very lucrative. The fact of the matter is, in the city of Dallas, I guess there would probably be maybe 15 people that did all the work at that time in the 70s, 80s, and, and going into the 90s. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So with all those radio shows, you're in the middle of all, all that to a certain extent. Right. And it was just different combinations of those 15, 20 people, whatever it is. We had, you know, they had a lot of solos on top of that. As far as group vocals, That's that was about it. So I was I was very fortunate to be in the clique there, work with some great musicians. It was nice. You said earlier it's an art form. Can you clarify that a little bit for our listeners? Yes. So a jingle is those things that people usually hate between songs that's that's what i do yeah they, you know so everybody hates my stuff so i like your stuff but i hated i got really sick and tired of hearing hearing barry manilow's stuff <laughs> well mostly what what i wrote 
and, and I'm still writing, is the frequency and call letters. And it's just advertising. It's advertising music, they call it, and commercial okay. music. Anyway, what you do is you try to get four to six bars. And it's the slogan, the best mix, 96.7 KXYZ. Right. You, you try to get everything. It's, it's very compact because you play a song, they do a jingle, they play a song. Yeah. And then, you know, top of every the word, Every word and every note counts. Yes, yes. And you get it done real fast, and the disc jockeys just, you know, make it move very fast. Top of the hour, you write a top of the hour jingle that has the city of license and the frequency and call letters. You know, it usually has a ramp where they can talk the station and stuff like that. And then there's a weather cut that sing the frequency and call letter or whatever the client wants you to sing at the front. And then they have a ramp. Hey, today it's going to be muggy and hot and blah, blah, blah. And then they, they punch the two punch and it has the frequency and call letter and then they go right into a song so you have to know how to design all this stuff so it's really a whole set of recordings that are all kind of a thematic it would be is that kind of the word right. you'd use or exactly because you have to have the same logo the, the same musical yeah. logo in every the cuts in that package it's usually 15 cuts something like that 15 cuts yeah they and you use. have to have the same logo in order i mean that's a branding absolutely you know so you have to know how to write for that stuff it's it's sort of difficult to get something said real fast in four bars and keep the interest up yeah yeah and by the way you have to match their format so if it's like uh, easy listening, you write something like that. If it's hard rock, you, you write something like that. If it's oldies, if it's uh, adult contemporary, you know, you have to country. Uh, and there's different types of country. That, the, oh, yeah. The old school stuff, the new stuff. So you, you Outlaw. Yeah, yeah. So you need to know how to write command writing. It starts by getting a logo. A musical logo. Not a, not a visual, but right, a musical. Right. Okay. Right. And so it's, it starts with that. They you, you do like logo audition. If, if the station doesn't already have a logo that they've been using that they want to keep, if they want to change the logo, you do auditions for that. And then they give you a, a menu of what they want to do. So they need a top of the hour, slogan cuts, uh, top of the, I mean, uh, weather, news, traffic, Transition cuts, which means they go from a medium tempo to a slow tempo or fast tempo to slow or whatever. Because if playing a fast song, yeah, they want to come out of that fast song with something fast. And then if they're going into a slow song, they, they need a fast to slow transition. So it's it's all thought out more than everybody thinks. It sure is. Yeah. Sure is. So in in that four bars, both via the instruments you play and via your voice, you have to convey that this is an outlaw country, or this is the this is prog rock. So you have to create exactly a jingle that in four bars, which is one two three four one two three four one two three four one two three four. Boom! You're done. That's it, and that's that's usually long. So if you write something that has a slogan, the frequency and call letter, uh, you have to have an edit point where they just can get a, a shotgun edit where it's just the call letters. Yes, okay. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so in that one cut, you, you'll get a full, a ramp. You, you take out the, the front part and possibly the frequency, and then you have just the call letters. And then so you get a full ramp and a shotgun out of one cut. So you have to write like that as well. You have to think ahead and you have to have edit points for all of these things goodness gracious yeah it's 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 an art form believe me 
So do you sometimes feel like the Rodney Dangerfield of the music industry? <laughs> hey, you know, I don't get any respect here. Hey. <laughs> well, it's it's one of those things where people don't see it as songs. Some people don't see it as music, but it they have to be musical. Absolutely. To, yeah. And by the way, there's my stuff plays more than some records. It's true. Okay, and the other thing I haven't mentioned is right. so if somebody hires me to do it for a production company, comes to me and says, okay, we, we just got a station in Los Angeles. We want you to write a package for them. Okay, so the deal is they only have the rights to use that in Los Angeles. So what that means is oh, that production company can syndicate it with uh, other call letters and frequencies all around the world as long as it doesn't go into their 25-mile radius of their airspace. How does that affect you financially? Does that is that good for you, or is that you just get paid on a one-time shot? Sometimes it's one time. Sometimes um, it yeah. can be nice. Yeah, it could be nice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Fascinating. Yes. Yeah, so one package. If you have a hit package, it's in your favor to write the best package possible because if you do get a, a percentage of sales, it could sell you know hundreds of times. Very good. And, and then ASCAP, of course, with royalties. Jingles get royalties. I love it. All right. Yeah, so it sometimes really nice. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. But And knowing you and how many hours you put in and looking around here at all the equipment, and the, I'm glad you're doing it. You, you've done well. Well, and, and but here's what's happened to the, the business now is everybody's got a studio in their house. Yeah. And, and it's easy to do quality digital work but yeah i've got my own studio for hardly anything in my house yes but what i'm sitting here looking at here is that's a different world yeah this is uh this is you know up to par to most of the studio i mean it's all digital pro tools and stuff like that and so <clears throat> you you have to have this kind of stuff to compete with the big boys but don't forget it's the writing also you know, if, right. if somebody cannot write that style and that art form, then it's not gonna it's not gonna float. Has your wife ever said you talk in four bars and you have to? You, I need you to expand <laughs> to sixteen or twenty. She only hopes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you've somebody's called you on the phone for you to understand how to structure your jingle family for them. What are some of the questions you ask them? Okay, so I found out a long time ago that if I get them involved. If I get them involved with the, the whole process, like there, there's two, two ways they sell this stuff. Uh, like I told you, if you have a, a package uh, that you wrote for L.A., all of a sudden you, uh, you get a call from Waco. said, hey, I like that L.A. package that that company did. Can I have that for my market? And they, and they go, yeah, sure. Airwaves are not going to ever cross. Right. So they give them the slogans, the frequency. The call letters, uh, what do you want said for your weather spot, top of the hour, all that kind of stuff. And so that's cut and dried because they know what that package sounds like. So it's just fill in the blank. And that's the other thing. It, you need to write this thing where so other lyrics can fit in there. Try sure. to. Yeah. Like, like if it's a W station, WXYZ, or it's a, it's, there's, there's K stations and W stations right. in the United States. So you have to allow for all that kind of stuff and make sure that it, it doesn't sound clumsy. That's a package going into syndication when you don't have to rewrite it. The other way you write the package is called a custom, where you start from scratch with the program director. Find out 
what their format is like. Is it country? Is it rock? Is it gospel? Is it, you know, what I do is I say, okay, I will listen to your radio station online right, and, and see what your format sounds like, like a Christian's package. You know, there, there's gospel type stuff or there's contemporary Christian. Sure. So you, you figure out, you know, and same with country, the old style or new stuff. You research and develop. So the R&D of all of this, uh, you've got to know. So I asked them, okay, can you send me a list of songs that you like? And and what I want you to do is pick out something in the songs like, do you like the guitar sound on this? Do you like the vocal sounds of this? Do you like the drums? I mean, what do you like about these songs? And so I sort of cue in on why they picked these songs and why they like these songs. And then I research that as well. And then I try to write my stuff with all of that in mind. Like, in a sense, like it almost blends in with what they like. Right. So these are the people that are hiring me to do this are asking me to, to write a successful package that matches their format. So I start writing and I call them with my sketches. And it's just like a painter, like with a, a pencil sketch before you start putting the colors in and the oil on the, on the palette. Canvas, the canvas. Canvas, canvas. The palette is where, I think, yes. palette is where you get the yes. colors. Yes, before yeah. you put the, everything on the canvas, you know, you start with a sketch. What I do is I get about, if it's a 15-cut package, I, I call every five cuts that I write, and I say, okay, you you have to realize that this is a sketch, and I'm going to be singing over the phone to you, and just tell me if I'm in the right ballpark. <laughs> Interesting. So I uh, sing to them, and, and I've had people go, oh, well, the, the vocal sound is really not what I wanted. And I go, guys, I'm singing live on the telephone. <laughs> telephone uh, speakers aren't the greatest in the history of mankind. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's one of those deals where they have to have a lot of imagination. <laughs> and I, I said, listen to the lyric content that you requested listen to the phrasing that that goes along with this and of course uh, some of this is just strumming on a, an acoustic guitar or, or playing on a piano, how it goes, and then, you know, trying to explain that this is like example number four that you gave me, and it'll be that tempo, have that kind of drum sound that you like on number four and all that kind of stuff. So it's one of those deals where it's, uh, you know, I just cover my tracks. And they say, okay, continue. I like what, what it sounds like. Or if they say, I hate it, start over, and I'll start over. But you'll you'll give them like three or four or five different s- takes, right? In a sense, or no, I'll do five five cuts at a time, one through five. If it's a fifteen cut package, I'll do one through uh, one through five, and they'll say, "Well, I like what you're going, okay, but I don't like number four. I said, "Okay, I'll yeah, start right. over on that." Yeah, so you give them multiple samples, and then then they you yeah. kind of narrow it down from there. Yeah, yeah, and then I add more to it. Then I say, okay, do I have your blessing to go forward? And they, so I get them to sign off on that somehow. And sometimes I take the, I take the, the sketches to a, a big studio where I put real drums on or whatever if they don't want uh, loop drums and stuff like that. So I put real players, real, real singers, everything on that. I invite them to come watch the thing just be recorded and everything about it. And they feel like they've been a part of the production like that. Sure they do. Yeah, yeah. You were nice enough to. Unfortunately, I couldn't come. Uh, I had commitments, but you invited me for one of your recent uh, sessions. Yeah. And I hope to sit in one of these days. I hope you uh, invite me back into one of those. I'd love I will. to sit in and get, get a personal sense for that. Yes. Yeah, so um, anyway, that's that's basically how uh, uh, you know syndication and a custom. 
project. Well, now let's go into the studio with in the client sitting there. Any and as you go through these final steps, what are some of the in- gotchas or how- anything can go wrong? They they might not like the uh, soloist. I, I usually send them a an oh, example wow. of the yeah. soloist that's going to do cut five and eight because I I can pull something from my library and say okay this this guy is is the guy I'm thinking about doing your number five and eight and what do you think? I said yeah. Sometimes they he's not what I was expecting. So to, usually it, it works out. Every you, cr- you cross way. all your T's and dot all your I's. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It usually goes really smooth because I've already gone through all of the sketches, guitar overdubs, and development of the the cuts in in my MIDI studio. Right. And and they know what to expect. And they usually get in the studio. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. And so they're really familiar with what their package is already going to sound like. But then they hear it live right there, and yeah. there's probably a big kick for them. Yeah, and once they hear the vocals put on, I mean, it, they're really happy. That's cool. Yeah. And the, and the good thing about what I do is I write for a lot of different production companies. Um, I'll bet you do. Yeah, and so uh, they've been really good to me, and all these production companies, they, they trust me with their clients' stuff. So I'm I'm very fortunate to still be writing. You know, I've been doing it for 44 years. Wow. Yeah. It's been very nice to me. During the course of that 40 years, what are the key differences from when you started versus where you are now? I would assume a lot of it is technology, but there is probably more than that. Well, it's there. there's no comparison to how it used to be. Uh, you know, I told you. Oh, really? Oh, it's people don't people don't do a lot of jingles anymore. So it's it's an art form that is is just disappearing. Dallas used to be the jingle uh, capital of the world, and now there's really? a, yeah, there's a lot of different jingle companies, and a lot of them are, are just in little cubicles and little houses and stuff like that, and doing quality work. But the fact of the matter is, don't use jingles as much anymore. Some some stations don't, so it, there is no comparison. Like every day, for a long time, large part of my life, I was you know working eight hours a day somewhere in this town, five days a week, and sometimes six days a week. Wow. I was in with all the companies, but now there's just there's not that much stuff going on, and the sound has changed. It used to be group sounds, five voice groups or seven voice groups. Now it's it's usually solos and duets and very very small groups. The budgets are not anywhere near what they used to be. Oh really? Because yeah. they you know because people are are recording in their house and, and and they don't have to rent studios and stuff like that. So they, it's they it's, don't have any of the overhead costs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not anywhere near what it used to be. I want to wander into your 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 stage presence, but any closing thoughts as we wrap up in the world of Mr. Jingle? Like I said, I'm very thankful and, and grateful for being hired. They're my good friends now and from all yeah, the production companies in Dallas. And, you know, Dallas has got some of the best musicians in the world because we have to do stuff like jingles. I mean, there, there's record things going on as well yeah. in Dallas. But to come in and do 15 cuts of, of music in a, in a day and, and be able to do that, do that 
it's very demanding and getting sounds and stuff like that. And there's a lot of people that, that leave Dallas and, and work with big bands and, and go on the road and stuff like that because, I mean, it's a hard business. Oh, it's a very hard yeah, business. Yeah, the, the I mean, jingle stuff is hard to do and pull it off. Oh, darn right. So I'm, I'm very thankful to have worked with great singers, great players all these years, and yeah. it's um, been a cool life so far. Yeah. Well, you're kind of confirming to me that, and part of the reason why I started the show was I, I think Dallas is a great music town. You know, New York gets all kinds of publicity. L.A. gets all kinds of publicity. Nashville gets all kinds of publicity. And then kind of Austin has its its aura. But Dallas, I guess partially one because of North Texas, such such a huge and awesome music school. But, you know, so you bring in artists, they they try to stay here, they make a home, they do jingles. or they, There's just different facets, and that's part of the reason why I wanted to get you on the show. Talk about different facets of the whole music industry, and here's one facet, which is the jingle world. Now we've got all these new stages popping up all over the place. And skipping to one of your bands, I want to talk about Mr. Inez. I want you to tell the story of the name, number one, but... You guys are awesome. I mean, you're you're one of my favorite cover bands because you'll sit there. I, I remember one night, one of your I was sitting in one of your gigs, and here you are, just tearing apart a Fleetwood Mac song. Talking about Fleetwood Mac when the during the blues era with uh, Peter Green, with Peter Green, Danny Kerwin. I mean, just I mean, before the the ladies joined him. I mean, that's fantastic stuff. And then he flipped right that to Steely Dan, which is a totally different just a different skill set a different sound then you're doing the allman brothers i mean i just love listening to you the diversity is fantastic so now that i've built your ego (laughs) tell me tell me about mr inez and what what you guys do there okay so let's start with the name when i was a kid um my brother and i if we were good at church we would go after church we would go to the lubies uh here the lubies yeah and there was an organist named miss inez if we were good at church, we got to stand by Miss Inez and, and watch her play. She had a little drum machine at the time that was built into the, oh, the organ. All that kind of stuff. And and I recall she was on a rotating stage. And so if we were good, we got to stand on the stage by Miss Inez. Oh, man. And, and You're that, rocking. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, so it, it paid to be good at church and, and, and in the in the pew. For some reason, I've always thought of her, and she swore to know every song in the world. You can you can look her up on YouTube, and she's and she's on there. Oh, but, really? Yeah. Is she the, still around? No, no, no. no. Okay, she passed she, her, a while back. The chord yeah. changes were really never like any song that was <laughs> that was right. But but I mean, she she knew so much. And b- by the way, she's the one that started, from what I know about her, Major League Baseball. Uh, she was the first organist to play at a at Major League Baseball game. She was the one that invented all that stuff. So oh, that is a yeah. crack up. Yeah, yeah. So she started that. I was in the studio stuff, and I missed playing live. I had I was trying to play <clears throat> live and and do jingles at the same time, and I was just. It just didn't work. Exhausting. Yeah, because I was back then. You had to play till two o'clock at night, and then the the session started at at nine, oh. and I and it was just killing me. I tried it, and it just didn't work. So I had to give up the live thing for a long time. Oh man. I think two thousand three. I went to my buddies and said, "Hey, let's put the band back together." And they go, "No, are you crazy?" And there was only one one guy that said he would do it, but I couldn't put a band together with just the two of us. So I said, "Okay, fine." I went in the studio. 
What I like to do is I like to rearrange things because that's what I learned from doing jingles is arranging and musical, you know, just making things musically different to catch everybody's ear. Because I've already done some of these songs for a long time and heard them for a long time, but the the ones I like. What I did was I went in the studio. I got Dan Wojciechowski to play on tracks that I was playing guitar on. And I think I got, uh, yeah, Gerald Stockton was playing bass. I was playing guitar. And then I went in and overdubbed everything. After they left, I just made tracks to play to. So it was was called, uh, back in the day, they used to call it Music Minus, where you, whatever instrument you played, they didn't put into the track, so you could play along with these tracks. Yeah. So, uh, the digital age had come along, and, and so everything was really good-sounding, quality stuff. So, I did a set worth of stuff. I did an acoustic set where I played by myself and had guests. And then I, I did a whole set of tracks that I played with. And it was really successful, but it was hard because oh, I'm the only one playing. And there's nobody to talk to. It's very lonesome up on stage <laughs> because all it is is a track playing. And so you're playing to, to you know, nobody. I mean, right. so anyway, this is just like Miss Inez with her her drum machine. And her. I mean, she's oh, crack me so up. so I called myself Mr. Inez. <laughs> <laughs> so I I, uh, I did that and it was a big success. I opened at uh, Club Dada doing that in 2003, and they they wanted me back, you know, twice a month. So uh, it, that was a little too much for me. So I said maybe once a month. So I I had to get so I recorded more more songs, more arrangements. And just whacked out the arrangements to where it's very interesting. And, you know, I, I love to watch people listening because they're going, I know that song, but... Just well, a it, little different color to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, you can hear some of the the uh, Club Dada stuff still on, on YouTube. Just, can you? Yeah, you can just put Mr. Inez in there and, and listen to all this stuff. They They still hold up. Oh, damn right they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, and I'm a big Beatle fan, so I, I tried to do it to a lot of that stuff. After a while, my throat was killing me, and I was just wearing it out. And so I uh, ended up doing a benefit for a bass player friend of mine. His wife had cancer, and he was looking for people to to raise some money for her medical bills. And I asked, can I do something for you? I said, yeah, yeah. So I put together a band to do the Mr. Inez arrangements. Yeah. And I, I got top players to do it. And we did a, the first live thing that Mr. Inez ever did was at the Granada Theater. And, That's uh, pretty good. Yeah, and it worked out really well. And so I go, okay, this is a lot easier with people singing with me and playing with me and a lot more fun. Right. That was in my mind, and I kept continuing the the, um, the solo stuff. And then all of a sudden, I had a chance to do a benefit for First Presbyterian Church downtown uh, to raise some. They needed some musical equipment and musical instruments for South Africa Church. I said, okay, that's great. So I put together a a band for that. It was a seven-piece band. Actually, 11-piece band. I brought in brass and all that kind of stuff, and we raised... You know, they were expecting to, you know, raise a hundred bucks or something, but we we got them very substantial Good. amount for these kids, and it was amazing. So everybody had so much fun with this this new band that I called everybody, and they said, "Hey, you want to continue this?" They go, "Yeah, I think we do." 
That's so cool. I got everybody off the couch. Good for good for you. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I mean, like you said, and everybody shares responsibility. Like, there's, I think, five of you sing, five of, or maybe more. Yeah, of you sing it. We'll take the lead on a different song. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's it's just so neat. And yeah, I, I love how you explain the arrangement thing because that is it. Yeah, I know the songs as soon as you start them, but there's a different color to them, or and you'll bleed one song to the next and stuff like that. It's just fascinating. Exactly, and and so I was still still doing studio work, and we were trying. I was trying to book the band. It's really hard. The band is a seven-piece band now, and it's it's really hard to book a seven-piece band. Oh man! But in 2009, I got invited to do a session at Abbey Road. My rep for the UK. Really? Yeah, he called. You're talking about the real Abbey Road. Exactly. Yeah. Whoa! Hold he on said, a second. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. <laughs> and he said, he said, would you be interested to, you know, come over here and record? I said, yeah. He says, well, the client wants a new custom package. No way. And But they've got their own writers. We just need you to sing. And I said, okay. He said, well, and the other thing, I think he knew I was a big Beatle fan. He, he said, I, I think you'll really like this because we're going to do it at Studio B at Abbey Road. And I go... I'm packing right now. I just gonna say, man, I, <laughs> I, I, I probably would have fallen on the ground and had to pick myself back up. It was it was amazing. Oh. And, and it was incredible. Well, I think I saw on, on a, a website or when I ping around doing some research and with you. That, I see you and the band standing in front of the Caravan Club, something like that, over in London, or where that was Liverpool, the Cavern, the The Cavern. I'm sorry, yeah, Cavern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what happened with that? So the the funny thing about going to Abbey Roads, they booked those studios in blocks, like it's a a two or three day block. The uh, music producer, uh, my rep over there, they didn't have enough stuff to fill that whole two or three days. And I I asked him, okay, can I have a couple hours if you're trying to get us? So I paid for two hours to just to say I recorded at Abbey Road, and I did uh, an acoustic version of "She's a Woman" by the Beatles, and I've and I still I haven't developed that yet, but I've, I've. it's in the works. That is so cool. Yeah, so, and and the other thing about it is we walked in the place. We went downstairs. Your studio be a small room, big room? It's a big room. Big room. Big old room. And the control room is upstairs, and then you walk down these stairs to where the Beatles recorded. And so we, it, it was very um, spooky. Because because every, you, you re- I would assume you recognize, like, I'm sitting where George sat on. Oh, when, yeah. Well, and everybody, the, even the English singers that I saw, I was the only American, and the English singers had never sung there either, so it was like walking in a church. Nobody said a thing, complete silence, and it was incredible. Everybody was freaking out because it was so cool. Yeah, and so I walk down there, and I look on the stands, and it's a package that, that I've sung a hundred times here. <laughs> Really? Yeah, it was syndication of a, an American package that I'd done here. So, no way. Yeah, yeah, and th- because he was trying to fill up the the time. Yeah. So he was he he got another order on syndication, so he's doing that, and then then we sang the custom stuff to to fill up that day. Then they did the string uh, and horn sessions the next day. It was pretty incredible. That's super incredible, yeah, Johnny. And, and so what happened was the producer's wife, we had a day off. She said, let's do a day trip to Liverpool. 
ago. Oh, man. Great. So from London, we we, uh, went to Liverpool. We walked in, and it was just like like what you've always seen in the pictures. Now, you've got to understand. Real super low ceilings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But what you have to understand is uh, the original Cavern Club has been moved over one space because of some kind of, it was falling down to begin with. Oh, okay. So they took the same bricks and everything from the the little stage. I mean, it looks exactly the same. So it still has that arch, right? Yes, same arch, everything. But they moved it over. It was falling apart, and they had to move it for some kind of train air duct or something. I don't know what it was. Who knows? But but they moved but, uh, but but at least they had enough sense to respect it and save it. So yeah, and it's good. exactly the same. Oh, it's just moved over a space. And the, the other thing that they did do is they, they put a big room in the back, and it's called the Paul McCartney Room. Okay, so we got the grand tour of all that, and I, I told uh, Barbara, the producer's wife, I said, I'm going to play here someday. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to play here. This is the coolest room I've ever seen in my life. So she remembered me saying that. So she she contacted me, said, okay, my husband, Steve, who's my rep, says he's retiring, and oh, we're thinking man. about having a retirement party and a birthday party at the same time, and I'm going to rent the, the Cavern Club. Would you be interested in coming and playing? I said, Johnny, count me in again. Yeah. yeah. Holy cow, Johnny. Yeah, yes. So I, because uh, they knew about Mr. Inez and I will work it out. So I, I lined up backline equipment and all the electrical stuff is totally different. So I had to get all of that. Covered. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I had yeah. to rent keyboards, acoustic guitars. You know, we, we just brought our guitars and pedal boards and they had amps and stuff like that there. We played a couple of sets maybe. Oh, Johnny. It was incredible. It was. It's it got to be incredible. Yeah, I mean, talking about the bucket list of your life. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah it was incredible. Oh, that that gives me goosebumps. Yeah. I mean, that is such a treat. That's yeah. such an awesome was, treat. Yeah. So, so we've been working this whole time. We finally got the trip paid off because. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, everybody agreed, and I mean, everybody had a blast. Oh yeah, you. Yeah, everybody great. wants that checked off their yeah. bucket list. Yeah. That would be really cool. So that uh, we're still playing around the DFW. Um, Big time area. Yeah, we warmed up for the Beach Boys this year. Uh, when they, they they came out for some gala. And then the year before, we played for that same gala. We warmed up for Rick Springfield. Sure. And we, we've done the guitar show, uh, Fort Worth Main Street, Denton Jazz Festival. I think we've done that four years in a row now. And, and doing regular, you know, club things and stuff like that. So we're still we're still pumping out there. So how do our listeners? Uh, number one, how do they follow you? I think you've got a Facebook page, right? Do yes. You, do you have a web page as well? Tell us. Tell them how to find Mr. Inez. Yeah, we're working on the the web page right now, and uh, but uh, just go to Facebook and put in uh, Mr. Inez in the search engine there. I N E Z. Yes. Like us there, or tell them, hey, we want to be on your email list. We have a we send out emails every time we play somewhere. They're very good at that. So yeah, send them your email. That's how I keep track of where they're playing. We started out this this year. We were just working constantly, and now it's sort of everybody's on vacation right now. And yeah, hot summers. yeah. Yeah, we're working on new new material right now. So try to keep going as long as we can. You know. Now, from Mr. Jingle perspective, I've got a businessman listening in here, and they need a jingle. How do they reach you from your day job perspective, Johnny? They can call me at, uh, I guess it's, sure. yeah, 214 321 
9774 and that's the office for Hooper Music Productions. I've done many many commercials, you know, bank commercials, uh, you know, all, anything that you can think of, air conditioning companies. Uh, it's been interesting. I'll bet. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah. I'll bet. I'd be happy to talk to you. That'd be great. Well, Johnny, this has been great. We've covered Mr. Jingle being here in Hooper Production Studio. We've also covered Mr. Inez. And, man, what an awesome trip. Liverpool, I am just... I'm just goosebumps all over. That sounds so cool, man. But you've agreed you recorded some songs early on, and you're you're stepping back, and you're going to share a song with us here that you wrote with a full band and everything, and and so that's going to take us out. What's the name of the song, number one? It's called Sing to Me, and wrote it uh, probably in late 70s, um, early 80s maybe, and it sounds like that. <laughs> it sounds like a Michael McDonald's sound, uh, song. That's Thanks it. so much for, for being with us today. And again, people, check out Mr. Inez. If you need the services of uh, Johnny from a jingle perspective, please give him a ring on the phone. It's been great talking to you, Johnny. And if it's all right with you, we'll, Muddy and I will probably drift back over here in a few months. We'll talk again, if that's okay. Perfect. All right. Perfect. Love it, man. All you right. take care. And that's here we go with the song. Sing to me. Sing to me. Bye, campers. Johnny has one hell of a voice and super arrangement skills, don't you think? Talking with Johnny Hooper with Hooper Music Productions was an excellent follow-up to last week's interview where we talked with Brendan Anthony, the director of the state's Texas Music Office. With Brendan, we talked about the growing number of job opportunities in the music industry here in Texas. Johnny has been a behind-the-scenes music industry success for years and will keep doing just that. Can you imagine recording at the Abbey Road Studios or playing a gig at the Cavern Club in Liverpool? Wow. Speaking of can you imagine, (laughs) I was reading one of my key music rags the other day, Relics Magazine, and fell into this. Al Capone, the brutal mob boss of the 30s, when he was sent to Alcatraz, asked for and received permission from the warden to start a band. Let that sink in for a minute. A band in Alcatraz, led by Al Capone. They called themselves the Rock Islanders. And the drummer in the band was Machine Gun Kelly. Fortunately, Animal with Muppets never challenged Machine Gun to a (laughs) drum-off. If you want to know more about Al Capone's music story, check out page four of the June issue of Relics magazine. On a personal front, my prostate radiation treatments start this Wednesday. I'll be zapped five times a week for eight weeks. Recently, I've had a space ore put in place, a colonoscopy completed, tattoo targets put on my hips so the radiation gun knows where to start. I be ready. You be ready, too. Make sure not to miss your annual checkup. Take care, and until next week, Muddy and I say enjoy some damn good Texas music. Amy? Dogger and Muddy are heading to a local honky-tonk to check out the music scene. 
If you do the same, let the artists know you appreciate their music and be sure to tip your servers well. Till next time, adios. When I feel a speak, punches underwater, drifting in the open sea. Or is this a dream? Can I see over me? Trust is to falter and to taste to see. Is this a dream? I won't hurt.